0: Welcome, guys, to the second episode of our podcast. I remain your host, Toby Aigogo. And joining me today is my wonderful co host, Babake. Babake, how are you <laughs> doing today? Hi, Toby. I'm doing very well. I'm super excited for our
1: second episode.
0: Yeah, same? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it's, been, it's, good. it's been good. Um, getting uh, great feedback from family, friends, and industry experts who will listen to the first episode. And I'm excited about this journey. It can only okay. get better. Yeah. yeah, I'm super excited about what we're
1: doing currently. Yeah, same. I think I've listened to the episode like two or three times now myself. That's <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of us and proud of what we created. And I'm super excited to keep recording. I have a couple guests on the show. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm doing well.
0: Yeah, that's good. For me, it's all about making sure that people get to know more about conversations like this. Uh, Because this is a conversation that we need to continue to talk about for people to know how important it's good for us to talk about climate change. But yeah, Yeah. I'm excited about us bringing our guests, sharing insightful topics with our listeners and getting more interesting conversations along with the podcast.
1: Exactly. And even mainstreaming sustainability, right? So it doesn't have to be the super technical thing that is talking you know, about really technical terms and, you know, things that the everyday person, shall I say, will not understand or relate with. But, you know, being able to democratize that information is one thing that I'm really excited to be
0: able to do on the podcast. So
1: hopefully our listeners enjoyed it and will stick with us as we go on. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So today we are going to be talking about a very interesting topic, which is on the emergence of sustainability and climate change to the mainstream. We're going to look at the positives, the negatives and the reputation that comes with it. And for me, it's, it, I think this topic is a very interesting one. I can't wait to get your, your input on this because I know that uh, <laughs> I can always call you the queen of sustainability. Uh, so yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm super excited to do that. But before we jump right into that, um, should we just yeah. quickly go over some of the things that we've seen in the news, hmm? recent happenings in sustainability?
0: Well, yeah, sure. For me, I've been biting myself to share this information, which I'm sure a lot of people are now aware <laughs> about. So, Global Citizens Week—it's a global organization pushing for the Sustainable Development Goals. We recently launched a very powerful campaign called Our Planet Campaign. Have, have you heard about that? No, I haven't. What is it about? Well, okay. So, so let me give you a, a front roll information. So, the Power mm-hmm. Planet Campaign was recently launched at the Global Citizen Festival, where it's a campaign to Ensure that the poor and vulnerable countries have a better financial foundation, access to financial solutions. So, so that they can able to invest in critical education, health system, because these are issues that a lot of countries or underdeveloped countries are battling with. So this campaign al- alongside world leaders, global parties are calling for the development banks, the philanthropy, the private sector leaders to reemerge in our financial systems to, to meet the moment and also defend the planet. And it's an amazing campaign that was launched by Evans, the Prime Minister of Barbados, as well as the founder of Global Citizens. I'm excited to see the impact that this campaign because for Global Citizens, is an organization that when they, they come out with a campaign, they follow it to the end to make sure that the impact and the see result. on so this I'm excited about this and I can't wait to see the impact that you have on the planet and on the people as well.
1: That's awesome. I really love seeing people come together to make a difference. And Global Citizens, yeah. and I feel like I've said this to you before as well because you've been working with them for quite a while, they have a really cool way of bringing people together to do that. They do this really cool thing where they make it accessible to everybody yeah. to kind of make a difference. Um, and I think that's such an important initiative at this time. So I'm really excited about this campaign and I definitely will be keeping an eye on it.
0: Yeah. Also, I think our viewers can also get more information about that by visiting globalcities.org to read more about Perfect. the, our pop wallet campaign.
1: Right. So, speaking about bringing people together I have to protect the most vulnerable, have you been following the devastation from Cyclone Freddy in South Africa as well, or Southern Africa, I should say?
0: Oh, yeah. It's, it's not been a good one. The storm has killed hundreds in Malawi, Mozambique, Madagascar. And the last time I read, it was said to break the record as the longest lasting cyclone ever. That's correct. I think this is a cyclone which, which, yeah, really helped people. I think the cyclone developed, or I think, true, over the Australian Indian Ocean, I guess, in early February, and has traveled all the way to Africa, Mad- Madagascar, Mozambique, and now, from the report I can see, it has gotten to Southern Africa for the second time. I think that the death total in Southeast Africa due to the longest tropical cyclone ever has risen to about 525 people, according wow. to the local authorities. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking. More than 1,000 people that have been injured, 85 are missing, and 95,000 people have been displaced. It's really sad.
1: 95,000 five thousand people. This is the really devastating thing about natural disasters, in conjunction with
0: yeah.
1: a lot of the challenges that you know African countries or countries in the Global South are already facing. Because I know there's, and you know, we're not going to speak too much about conflict on this podcast, but also the situation in Sudan that is increasing the number of displaced people. And I just feel like seeing things like this in conjunction with conflict, in conjunction with climate change impact and yeah. further devastating the continent is really heartbreaking.
0: You know, it's sad. I just, um, it could be a solution as soon as possible. And again, yeah. international organizations or the government provide aid for the people that are in this space because 95,000 is a lot. And yeah. hopefully those who are missing are also reconnected back to their family when they are found. And so, yeah, what have you been looking into recently, Lalaka? Okay.
1: So, interestingly, and this is one that I've been super excited to talk about, even though I don't know a heck of a lot about <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's about <laughs> like solar power. Um, and so basically this, oh, okay. yeah. And this is basically solar power that is, stored or collected in space and can be transmitted to Earth. So this form of solar energy or solar power has already been in existence or being used for decades now, and it already powers spacecraft. But now there's conversations about storing that energy and transmitting it to Earth to extend our capacity for renewable energy. And I think it's super interesting. I think it's really cool to see how we can expand capacity for renewable energy, potentially even share with countries that don't have as much access to solar energy storage and to see what we can do. Like innovation is taking such a center stage in solving some of the challenges of climate change and seeing solutions like this really get me excited about possibilities.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I've never heard about this, uh, and hopefully, this will be launched soon so everyone can, can have a taste of it. Space based solar power is that what you called it?
1: Yeah, space based solar power. I'm sure we'll hear more about it in in the years to come. More countries and organizations are putting in more resources to develop the research in yeah. this space, so I'm sure we'll hear more about it.
0: Let's go straight to topic. Let's dive into the topic for today which we'll be talking about the emergence of sustainability and climate change to the mainstream. We're going to be looking at the positives, the negatives, and the reputation that comes with it. So for me, I think in recent years, we've seen this dramatic shift in the public consciousness on around environmental issues. So people are trying to, or not trying to, they're making a conscious effort to be involved in conversations like this to make sure that they protect the environment, they protect their space, they embrace recycling. What do you think has been the main driver of this new shit?
1: So, if you look at the history of sustainability, right, okay. there have been a number of yes. things that had emerged in the last, what, 50, 70 years, yeah. a gradual change of perception, but more so kind of niche and starting in Western countries. So, in, in Europe and in the US, where you know, I guess there were protests against, you know, environmental degradation, whether this was around, you know, oil and see the CC activities or ocean activities. But then more on a regulatory side, or should I say international law and policy side, the UAFCC, which is the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, was established in 1994. And I think this was part of the Rio Convention. And this was kind of the first global move towards mainstreaming A sort of global protection of environmental activities, right? And so they set a, they aim to, to prevent like human interference with, you know, the climate. And they set a goal. That was the first place I set a goal to stabilize greenhouse gas concentrations and reduce human interference with climate change. And then that in 1994, a couple of years later with the Kyoto Protocol, which had more industrialized nations and European communities cut their emissions and set a target for the next 15 years to reduce their emissions in this particular greenhouse gases. And I think those conventions or those protocols led set the scene for what we have today with, you know, the Millennium Development Goals, Sustainable Development Goals, the Paris Agreement, which came a few years later in 2015. And kind of sort of the 15 year. Spring that we've been seeing a lot in the global community. So the MDGs were set in 2000 to actualize in 2015, and then the SDGs in 2015 to actualize in 2030. 2030. 2030. So there's kind of been this 15-year sprint where we're measuring and calculating how much we're improving human interference with climate change. And I think that's in conjunction with you know growing public perception and understanding of how our activities are affecting. Sustainability, both the environment, aggravating or exacerbating inequality. I think all of those things just kind of grew in tandem with that. But I think that's historically how sustainability came to be more mainstream in the last few decades.
0: We also have to give credit to some media houses who have been trying to gather attention around climate change and the impact it's having on our planet. And I think this has really raised awareness among the public and putting the issue on the front of people's minds because a lot of people now know more about climate change. I was reading in the in one of the dailies about how a child went from his neighborhood to raise funds to, to carry out a campaign in school about climate change, how our home is making sure that the recycle bottles, it's, it's probably like this club among his friends to make sure that they advocates for recycling our home, Making sure that they're not use their cars every, or to go out all the time. When possible, they should ride their bikes. They should take the buses or the train because of the whole carbon emission to the atmosphere. And t- I think when it was interviewed, said, "Oh, I, I saw it on TV and I picked interest." And it was good to know that sometimes these young ones. At the end of the day, we we're going to pass over these conversations to continue because climate change is an unending conversation. Are beginning to pick interest about it. And I'm going to give kudos to media also so trying to also run campaigns around climate change.
1: Yeah, I think it's super interesting. But one thing I've also noted quite significantly is how much this has been integrated in educational curriculum. So in schools, yes, people yes. are learning a lot more about the environment and the science behind you know, climate change and weather patterns and its effect on different areas of society. And it's really interesting to see that information be instilled in in yeah. children as they're growing and as they're learning, and it's changing how they're thinking about the world. I always say is that Generation Z or Gen Z might just save the world. <laughs> <laughs> it might, it's, I feel like they're idealistic and challenging enough to potentially save us. <laughs> and I feel like this is one good part that they can be a part
0: of. Yes, yes. A big shout out to the young activists who are pushing for climate justice. And I think yeah. another issue, another positive, another impact the rise of the European economy, I think that has yeah. really played a big role in this shift. You see more and more companies adopt sustainable practices, invest in clean energy. Some are becoming clear that sustainability is not just a niche, right, but a major driver of economic growth. So I think it's we must give good to also organizations that are really pushing for things like this as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, this is kind of at the center of the work that we do. In my organization, we yeah. are initiative. It's driving kind of the business response to climate change and sustainability, kind of getting the private sector actively involved in driving this and pushing efforts in that space. So I think we all have equally important role in doing this, and there's still so much work to be done in mainstreaming sustainability, because I think in certain parts of the world, there's a lot more focus on it than there is in other parts. And a lot of people also don't understand, A lot of people also don't understand kind of what it means yeah, in the most practical sense, or how their actions and behaviors are contributing to it, albeit at, you know, a much smaller level than huge organizations, but still. So there's a lot more work to be done in mainstream media, but I think as the years go on, it's definitely becoming top priority globally.
0: Yeah. But also, while we talk about the positive, um, there's also the negative aspect of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so would argue that you know, one of the biggest negative is the polarization of the issue. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think with everything, right? There's the tendency that this could happen. I do think there's a lot of basis to some of the criticisms, right? Polarization in the sense that some scientists or some people are saying, oh, doom and gloom, climate change is doing X, Y, Z. And some people, for whatever benefit they are getting from it, are saying, you know, this is not the case. We're all fine. We're not going to die with these many years and we're all doing okay. But the truth of the matter is you can't actually dismiss the Practical impacts we're seeing. We just spoke about Cyclone Freddy, right? That has displaced like uh-huh. five thousand people, killed hundreds of people. This is not a norm in these mm. places.
0: Oh, but don't you think that so that you know one of the biggest negatives is the polarization of this issue?
1: I do think so. There's dissenting opinions about one the severity of climate change and kind of what should be done about it. But with everything, I think it's quite. Hard to ignore the reality of it, to ignore the scientific evidence that you know is out there, and change some of our behaviors. Right? It's evidence that nobody wants the level of pollution that we have. It's affecting our health. It's affecting our quality of life. Nobody wants the amount of waste that we see on a day-to-day basis in the oceans. We can see the evidence of it kind of harming the aquatic life. And just making our experience on a day-to-day basis just modest, pleasant, walking from pile and pile of trash. So without even looking on the more macro level of climate change and the scientific things that you can't do, I think it's quite important to pay attention to what's right in front of us. The very practical examples of how this is playing out. In, in our realities and maybe focus on that and it's a bit more that the dissenting opinions from the scientists and others. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think for me it has led to a divide between those who are working towards a more sustainable future and those who are resistant to change. Because when it comes to issues like this, there are those people who are pushing for change, but there's also people who, are behind the scene, are saying no, we don't want this change. And I think it's a real challenge. There's also another negative that has emerged: is the co-opting of the movement by corporate interests. While some companies are genuinely committed to sustainability, trust me, there are other people who are increasing it as a marketing tool, but without making significant changes. I think I don't want to start talking about that today. No, <laughs> 100%. Uh, <you> know, <laughs> trust me. Yeah, because you see, some companies are really doing the work, whilst some are using it as a marketing to which I think it's fair. Or uh, when it comes to making significant changes to their practices, they believe that this is a tool that, because this is a conversation that everybody's having. So they want to make sure that we'll be a part of it. But genuinely, them is a marketing tool. Well, I
1: seriously so agree, right? And I think even apart from companies, there are so many countries as well. The U.S., for example, the U.S. is, or well, has been, you know, really big on environmental protection and climate change. But then, you know, within the Trump era, there was kind of this pullback, this pullback from the pirates agreement. Uh, and there was a bit of a kind of pullback from environmental protection and those kind of things. And I feel like that disconnect and changing opinion as well also affect the whole shit and it's somewhat of a criticism as well, because, you know, they had all of these positive things with the Environmental Protection Agency, them being at the forefront of the global movement on climate change, the lot of the scientists, from there also producing kind of great work and research on climate change. But then at the same time, you do have the government administrations approving oil
0: drillings
1: I and mean, the Chronicle Philips drilling plants, for example, that is in direct opposition to kind of the goals and the things that we want to see. A lot of the criticisms for climate change, I guess more holistically, the climate transition more specifically, is also it to be Western driven as opposed to global, like global facing where there are a lot of people who argue that they've industrialized off the back of this and they are now kind of expecting and demanding that countries don't industrialize based up on of this. It's negative kind of impact on climate change and the injustice behind that. There's also criticisms around this transition to more natural materials and the impact that thing has on developing countries in the global south. So, for example, some of the minerals that is used to produce solar panels. Some of these materials need to be mined in African countries, and it's like you're putting more stress on the mining sector in Africa, and all the conflict and fragility kind of factors have come with that. So there's there's a lot of criticisms, challenges, and issues, and potential negatives, I think, like, that is attached to this entire space, which space doesn't have these things. And I think it's really important to also highlight that and talk about these challenges. And I would really love to have some people on the podcast that can speak to some of these challenges, speak to some of their criticisms as well, mm-hmm. and let's explore potential ways to bridge them and, and find a healthy
0: balance. Yeah, we, interestingly, you talked about the Konoko Phillips, and I think recently I read on one of the dailies that they've been given permission by... Biden administration to move ahead with yeah. their drilling plans in the National Petroleum Reserve in Alaska. And I yeah. think this move has really drawn pitches in from environmental groups who are concerned about the impact of drilling on the Arctic tundra and the potential for oil spills in, in the region. Yeah. And I just, I, w- I was shocked to be honest when I saw this move. I thought the Biden administration would be one that would be against such search- move, but it's sort sad to see that they've given the permission to ConocoPhillips to, to go ahead with the drilling plans. Yeah,
1: I think it's a very interesting case. It has so much negative impact that I expected, you know, a little bit more nuance to the project. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I feel like it's interesting and it raises a very interesting conversation around what happens with this climate transition and projects that are already in place, private sector companies, governments potentially and have put in too much time, so much resources, so much money into certain projects that Mm. are now being deemed negative and significantly harmful to Mm. the climate transition. What happens? What sort of opportunities are available to reimagine those projects? And I think that's maybe something that we should explore a bit more. So instead of having clinical students drill these reserves... In Alaska, how can they kind of reimagine some of those resources into a more climate smart option?
0: Okay. Yeah, I I guess this is something which we'll definitely look into on this podcast. Yeah. Actually, I think I
1: have a really cool topic. I have a really cool idea. Oh, okay. (laughs) I have to think of, you know, who the best person to interact with on this would be capitalism versus the climate transition. Hmm,
0: interesting. Right? Interesting.
1: I think that's, that's yeah.
0: probably really cool. I haven't about. But yeah. Yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds cool. So for our listeners, you don't want to miss that. Uh, we'll definitely go back and do our own work to make sure that we're being the guest the best, best speed car. We should go there. Yeah. I'm this conversation with us. i still talking about the mainstream. When it comes to the reputation of sustainability and climate change, what do you think has been the impact of the emergence of the mainstream?
1: I think innovation. So so my argument for it is always innovation and opportunity, right? And I think that's been potentially the best thing to come out of this. Some of the best ideas, very innovative, very important solutions to like this problem that I have come across have been, you know, the win for me. And I think, you know, that's one Big advantage to it being mainstream. Everybody's kind of thinking about how to innovate in this space, thinking about potential opportunities. How can we solve this problem? So some organizations here in Africa are um, figuring out how to finance renewable energy for people that can't afford it. That's incredible. And, you know, that's kind of one big win that I've found for, you know, sustainability being more mainstream. What about you?
0: Yeah, for me, I think, I think the impact has been largely positive because you see, it has moved from being a fringe concern to becoming like a, a critical topic for discussion among people. Yeah. And people having debates, taking actions, making sure that this is not just a conversation for the elite because some people say, oh, the climate change. I, I, I was speaking to, I was speaking to a group of guys recently. I was talking about this same climate change. And I said, oh, the climate change is a big cause by the elite. Those who fly their private jets, those who drive lots <laughs> of those cars. Who are, who are tired of taking the ten minutes walk? All they do is drive their cars around and everything. I think, but now I think there's this shift. People are beginning to to have like a bit of knowledge about this issue and asking themselves, "How can I contribute to the conversation? How can I contribute to the yeah. debate around climate change? What can I do to reduce the pollution? To reduce the carbon emission? So I think for me, in the sense that there's been a negative part of it, I think there's also been a huge contribution, a positive aspect when it comes to this topic of it,
1: to yeah, I
0: definitely want
1: to argue that it's
0: been largely positive, but yeah. Yeah. I'm sure some people would <laughs> <laughs> disagree. <laughs> uh, as long as they are helping to pass the message, as long as we have this conversation, we just want to use that to, as a plus because we need more people to have these conversations. We need more people to take action. And the more people know about this, the better it is for the environment. in yes. um, Some countries in Africa, it to be in the raining season. And we imagine the floods that will take over the roads because of the blocked drainage, people disposing, bottles on the drainage, people not recycling properly. But I think the more we have this conversation, the more enlightened people will be. So how can they take care of the environment? What role can they play? in making sure that we contribute towards the protection of the planet, the protection of our own lives, protection of our own properties as well. And so I think, yeah, yeah uh, there's huge kudos to everyone who has been advocating. Big shout out to the climate change activists, those who are taking on protests. Because trust me, I think these protests also have a way of influencing decisions. Big shout out to the small group of activists who are also playing their part in making sure that, because this is the shared responsibility for all of us, it's not yeah. just for the climate change activists, it's not just for the corporate organization, but we as individuals, what can we do to make sure that we contribute towards the, the conversation? Because see, when you engage in that book see, when you use your social media to spread the word, this have a very large impact on the environment because people get to know more about it. This it reaches a wider object and also inspire action. And I hope that people but well, who have like understanding about this issue begin to take action and make the world a better place
1: yeah hopefully and hopefully we can contribute to that with you know these conversations that we're sparking no, and having right. on the
0: podcast alright alright thank you so much Labake, and that's all we have time for today thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time on the Sustainability and Climate Podcast and I remind you to you are know, Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Hey.